Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technology, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold and Associates. And I'm Chris Fine. I'm a consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another podcast. Ditto. Good to have you back, Chris. Good to be at another podcast. And I, I think with confidence, I can say we are the smartest guys in the room, because we're the only guys in the room. Yeah, right? it's a pretty small room. <laughs> But still, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think we're finding an audience with our podcast and uh, we're happy that you're listening out there and we're happy to be bringing you some of these perspectives because we see a lot and we like to talk about it. So here we are. And being December, it's the last month of another Anna, Annis Holub, what is it? Horribilis. Annis Horribilis, I think. Yeah. Uh, we, we hope better things are to come in 2022, but um, yes, I'm looking out my window now, Chris, and just about every leaf in the backyard has fallen off the trees. So that's a pretty good sign winter is coming and a lot of raking I have to do this weekend. But that's what happens when you live in a cold winter, cold climate, and uh, we just have to roll with it. But it's a sign that the season is changing. And with that, we have another year coming up ahead of us. So I think Chris will focus on maybe some year in review top items we think we should close out 2021 with. Yeah, John, I think we should maybe select a couple of themes where we think it's been a, a trend in 2021, but we also think it's going forward, don't you? That we think about 2022 and we don't think this is going to end yeah, exactly. I mean, this, this is what keeps us perpetually busy. Technology never stands still. And every year, there's always one or two things that are, you know, stand out from the year before and set the stage for what's coming. And uh, this year is, is really no different. But in some ways, yeah, there's some familiarity. I know we've been talking a lot about uh, hybrid work as a driver of our topic here, future of work. And you've seen a lot in that space, uh, particular for some of the work that you're doing, Chris. So that might be a good starting point to uh, take us into our, uh, our discussion here. Okay, great, John. And I think you'd mentioned that you had a good topic too, which is the ongoing industry structure consolidation in our world and in your world. So I think, uh, I think we wanna make sure we get to that too. Yeah, thanks, we, we will. We okay. Will. So, okay, I'll, I'll let you run with things now for a bit and we can build on what we're, what you're seeing in the whole kind of return to office home working environments because they're, 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 they're a challenge, let's just say. Well, I find it to be a fascinating saga that is ongoing and it's one reason it's so fascinating is that it's far from just a technology story. This being the post not really post pandemic but late stage pandemic or hopefully latter stages of pandemic return to work 
from a pure remote environment, uh, emerging hybrid environments. And at least in, at least in the US, this is uh, resulting in a massive sociological disruption as well with people changing jobs and a lot of people having spent the pandemic thinking about uh, what they really wanna do. And you and I have talked about this so-called great resignation, but what I, we're now getting into the, into the stage where a lot of companies have started really to have people come back and people seem to want to, as soon as they feel that the level of risk and the environment comes to be more to their liking. And so we're seeing, you know, I, I live in the New York area, so definitely seeing an increase in traffic some increase in office occupancy, depending on where you are, still by far not to pandemic levels. But uh, it's interesting to see what people see as the strengths and weaknesses of coming back. They, they fundamentally want to, but there are actually some technology limitations that are making it more difficult. There was an article in the New York Times last week about a topic you and I've talked about is the limitations of audiovisual and collaboration systems uh, to support the hybrid model. You, you know, we've all been in a Zoom meeting where either we're in the office or we're remote and the two sides never meet. Uh, and it's, it's just terrible choreography. And whoever's remote feels alienated or else they become a giant presence on the screen when the program helpfully makes you the focus of the of the um, display. And uh, that's awkward too, because then you're basically hogging the attention from those in the room. Uh, but the dynamics are such that we see companies, including some pretty big ones, where now they're talking about everybody's got a Zoom or nobody Zooms, or, or maybe there's some exceptions like one person remote if they just can't come in. And that's causing people to say, then this was the gist of the article, that you know, I'm coming into work and all I'm doing is sitting there and Zooming all day. I'm not even in a conference room because they don't let us get together because some people are remote. So that's the kind of thing where I think these tech, these emerging, more immersive technologies, I'm not particularly a fan of the metaverse. That's one end of it. But all these uh, these new technologies along the line of being more immersive I think are really going to start standing out. And I think until some of that is resolved, there's going to be ongoing sort of cultural slash procedural communicative speed bumps in the road to getting to a true hybrid environment. And what do you think? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, being humans, each of us has our own quirks. And there's no way you can truly standardize the work experience. If we were all bots and could be easily programmed, then this would be a very easy problem to solve. And I, and I think the, the, you know, the variety of the way people respond to these situations is what makes this technology uh, so important because you need kind of a clean slate for everyone to kind of be themselves, but also to be part of something. And a lot of what, what I'm getting at is the technology guys, you know, the ones that I see every day, you know, Zoom, Cisco, and Via, and Ring Central, and Microsoft Teams, all of these platforms, which all are getting a lot of traction, they talk a lot about this, this need to be more inclusive, to be more democratic. You talk about, you know, being one, a remote 
participant being outsized on the screen or maybe feeling alienated. So they're, they, they're, they're trying to speak to these real challenges of making that hybrid experience feel more normal, more natural, right? And, and it's, it's, it's hard to do, but I gotta tell you, some of the innovations I've been seeing at recent briefings are, you know, they're, they're really trying, they're really listening to what some of these challenges are. Because I see like two layers of challenges. First is the, the end user is us trying to do our jobs and use the tools in the best way possible and still feel like you're part of something. But then there's also the IT, you know, the technical side of it is, you know, for us to use it, it's gotta be easy to use. The adoption stuff is big, but to make all that look like magic, you know, there's a lot going on that, you know, that's more of the domain of IT to make sure these applications and platforms run smoothly and safely over the corporate land and, you know, and that works for compliance requirements, et cetera. So there's a lot that goes into making this stuff look so easy to use. And I, and I don't underestimate the challenges that the tech vendors have on that regard. Agreed. I think it's a multi-phase challenge. I don't even think it's all just tech, tech innovation. I think part of it is that in many enterprises, many organizations, it's all over the map who even's buying this stuff. You know, it's not one of these, it's got a, it, it has a classic IT buying problem, which is what group in IT owns the conference rooms? What group owns the AV? Is it even IT? Sometimes it's corporate services. And so whom are you selling to? And if it's a lot of different groups, how do you put together a, a picture that really is compatible with their different needs and speaks to their different use cases. And so I don't think that's been really that well solved in many places, even before the new need for the hybrid workforce. You you constantly hear stories about how troublesome AV is and how you lose the 10 minutes in every meeting and all of that. But having said that, I think that if you can standardize it as more of a standard IT thing. And I think some companies have tried to do it. I think Cisco's tried to do it over the years, although they ended up being very proprietary, but they're they're but inexpensive. But their scheme was to, you know, to produce a, a, a spectrum of solutions that were pretty well integrated and you could just put them in like you put in phones or switches and routers. And um, I, I so I think that that was good intention, but we have to be able to bring down the price and complexity of all of that so that this just does become a pretty standard piece of, of, of technology. Uh, do, do you see what I mean? Well, yeah. And the proprietary comment about Cisco is a big one because there's still a lot of legacy equipment out there that, you know, they don't, don't want to abandon overnight. So you, you've got to find ways to support that and, you know, make it work with the existing <laughs> you know, the existing stuff with the new the new systems, right? Yeah, and I don't think that they're the only ones. Um, you know, Polycom, Microsoft, a, a number of companies have tried to do this, which combines hardware and software and several different kind of product segments like displays and audio and all of that. But it's a tough, it's a tough nut to crack. And then even when you get a solution together, it's like who's gonna buy it? But I do think having said that, there's a huge opportunity to do this. And I think 
that there's going to be a lot of sort of top level incentive to upgrade these things. Because if this is something that's causing significant worker dissatisfaction, even more than it used to, and impeding productivity and processes, then there's a pretty good economic and business case for upgrading, but you need new products that really work better. Yeah, I'll give you a good example. I was on an analyst briefing this week with uh, Zoom, and they did some very nice demos of some of the new uh, features and capabilities that they're bringing to the whole kind of collaboration space. So when we talk about hybrid work and evolving kind of nature of work, which is, you know, our podcast here, um, a good example of what they showed is, I mean, when you say, Chris, about, well, who's, who's actually going to be the buyer? Who's going to own this? Who's going to manage it? So in the, they, they, did, they demoed all these updates and, and they showed some of the standard, like, meeting room based tools and, and how the these kind of applications all magically seem to work with whiteboards and you know uh, you can control from your smartphone you can you can have all the meeting kind of settings change and everything but then they talked about how well also showing how workspaces are evolving and we talked about you know there's conference rooms there's huddle rooms but there's also a real need to support like informal collaboration, right? Where it's just ad hoc. This is a big one where sometimes there aren't meeting rooms to meet in, but you can meet out in like common spaces. So the way some of these offices are adapting now, they have these more like open lounge areas where people can congregate. And one of these particular demos, which I thought really showed the realities of how do you make this work is one of the technologies they're using is called geofencing. And yes. it's a way to kind of control where the audio kind of stays and where it stops. And so one of these demos showed how, for example, let's say you have an informal collaboration session where it's gonna have to happen out in one of these common areas where there's maybe chairs and couches people can sit and kind of gather in that space and just maybe have their tablets out and do stuff. And you could invite people to uh, follow along with you using video remotely. And so to make that space viable, you need the geofencing. And so what that means is you can have controlled audio in a physical setting, but without walls or doors. And it, it also keeps out these sounds around you from people who are walking in the hallways and sitting at their desks talking on their phones. So this was a very effective demonstration because the, the, guy, the guy leading the demo was saying, so here I am talking in this space where you can see there are chairs and couches for us to sit around and talk. But as soon as I walk out of that geofence area, you see him walking, but he's on camera, but now you can't hear him. And then it's kind of like, as he moves back into that geofenced area, the audio comes back. And it's a really effective way to show how you can kind of create these new spaces with these technologies that you couldn't really do before. It, it, to be, again, to be inclusive. So if that's the only area the group can meet, but you have some remote people who need to be in that session, you can do it. Whereas before, without that kind of application, it becomes a very noisy environment, not very conducive to work or privacy or anything like that. So I thought that was a really good idea to show 
again, how you adapt new spaces for new ways of working. And I think we're going to see a lot, you know, a lot more of this as, again, we try to make the, you know, the boundaries between office and home work less of a problem. I agree. And that's actually a great example. And it kind of illustrates the point that I wanted to make to finish this off because I know we have to be time sensitive and we could go on forever about this. And this is what I think about going into 2022. There has to be a growth of solutions rather than products and technologies. So like when you look in the audio, there have been unbelievable breakthroughs in spatial audio, which is kind of what this is that they demonstrated, like the ability to make sound, use very, very precise control of phase to make sound appear where exactly where you want it. And that's, you know, the Dolby spatial and all the stuff they're doing with movies. You can do that in a system like this too. And that's one example. But I think what's going to be interesting to watch is how many organizations take a relatively high level, relatively expert and relatively empowered group and say, you're really in charge of solving these problems. Of, of making all this better and you have the budget and you have the backing and you need to come to me with a time frame and a PM and all of this stuff to actually get a project done, like treating this like an architectural project or, you know, move to cloud, some strategic IT project. And if you see that, then you're going to start to see more solutions because all the vendors are going to have to create them and they're going to find that there's a buyer. So there's a justification to creating solutions. But that's what we need to look for. And I, I feel as though that's going to start happening. Uh, but that's in the past really been a hurdle. And so hopefully the emergence of hybrid work really triggers this. And that's kind of my looking toward 2022 comment about this. Yeah, with you on that one, Chris. And just by the way, the, the reason, another reason I mentioned that example was when you go into like a you know, neutral space, like a lounge area, who owns it, right? I mean, I guess it's IT's, you know, it's another area that IT has to now be thinking about that where the technology has to extend and be applied, whereas before they would never have to worry about it. It's just a common area where people walk and sit and talk and that's about it. But now, no, it's a collaboration space. So it has to be, again, part of the landscape of what they have to think about uh, and again, who's going to own it? Who's going to manage it? Who's going to troubleshoot it? And who's going to drive it, right? Yeah. So you have to have somebody who's inspiring and empowered enough to say, look, we know it has to, for example, because it's going to involve every, every element of IT. So you'd have to be able to say, for example, this, this is going to be secure, you know, InfoSec and physical sec. We want you to come with your input and help us with this. We want this to be secure. But it's not a naysaying thing, right? We want to find vendors that will pass your criteria and vendors, you better pay attention to this. But we're not for that or for architectural or building facilities, any of these things that can just stretch one of these things out and beat it to death. We, we can't. We, have, we sort of have to say we're, we want to meet the requirements or exceed them. But this is a strategic thing. And that's just never been that. And if you look at how strategic initiatives work, they're very different from sort of operational tactical initiatives. And I just feel that this whole hybrid 
work and redesign of workspace and workplace is a really strategic thing. For sure. Okay, so let's kind of shift to our kind of another theme for 2021. And I know we just have a few minutes left, but the whole idea of consolidation and it's a reflection, of course, of a very kind of fluid environment where we're trying to figure out how to make hybrid work and, and what these workspaces are going to have to look like. And this really, there's, and this hasn't changed that much from the previous year, but there's clearly you know, a bit of a gold rush going on or a land rush going on because these platforms, these collaboration platforms have become really all encompassing now where, you know, if you have the platform, you kind of control all of the different modes of communication, at least if it becomes adopted. So all of the big players, the ones I mentioned earlier, are, are trying to kind of become the vendor of choice to kind of own the customer space and uh, drive all the innovation. And so we're seeing a, these companies kind of keep upping the stakes, right, with, with their offerings kind of you know, they, they keep adding more features and more capabilities, but they're also filling in their holes with acquisitions. So there's kind of two trends going on that have been important this year. One is there have been a lot of small, like tuck-in investments that all of these companies are making to acquire AI pieces, right? Because everyone is moving in the kind of in lockstep to say, ah, okay, AI is getting good enough now. We have to have you know, what they call conversational AI capabilities, um, which is pretty good. Uh, it has a lot of use cases and I've talked about this at uh, Enterprise Connect. And there's a real kind of race to kind of have AI capabilities that kind of are ready for market because AI has always been a hot buzzword, but this year we've seen a lot of these moves. So for example, Genesis in the contact center space made a bunch of acquisitions uh, for the AI companies like uh, Pointillist is one, uh, I think Bold AIO is one, uh, Exceed AI, I'm sorry. Uh, anyways, th there were a lot of small players in this space. And last year we saw a little bit of this too, but more of it this year. So all of the, uh, it's just too, it just takes too long to develop this expertise. So a lot of these small players are, you know, very good moves for these companies to add to their AI portfolio. But as a result, they're collecting a lot of these small companies. And I, I don't know how they actually make it all work, you know, because you can't keep all of these, all of these uh, brands going. So they have to kind of like take the best pieces of each one and work them into an overall because they're all going to market with these very, you know, end to end uh, solutions that cover the whole gamut of collaboration or the whole gamut of customer experience management. So, but they have components within that have a lot of AI pieces. That's really what's driving so much of the uh, innovation in this space. So that's one layer. <clears throat> and the second layer, of course, is the bigger ones, right? The big moves that show vendors are trying to, you know, consolidate within the space to be like the go-tos and the major, you know, destinations. So, you know, a big one we had, which we touched on earlier, Chris, was, you know, 5.9 appeared to be going to Zoom, which would have consolidated Zoom as kind of the UC contact center combo. Uh, one of the market could have been one of the leading players in that, and it didn't go, 
which I think is better for the market overall, good for 5.9, not so good for Zoom. But making these bigger moves to kind of like lock up bigger pieces of the market. Uh, another good example, when I say acquisitions, it doesn't always have to be just a buyout. It can also be these strategic partnerships. And a real interesting one, which just came about, was Ring Central uh, doing a strategic move with Mitel. It's not an acquisition, it's more of a strategic investment where each is actually investing money in each other's companies. It's kind of an unusual mix, but it could be a sign of how things are gonna go because what happened in this particular deal is that Ring got Mitel's intellectual property and patents, which I think is the real kind of driver of all of this. Um, in exchange, oh, Mitel gets access to Ring's technology to really accelerate their go-to-market for, um, for UC. And Ring, of course, has kind of like done this with many of the other vendors, especially, you know, with strong legacy backgrounds like, you know, Atos and ALE in Europe and, and here, of course, with Avaya. And so they've done this fantastic job of kind of rolling up the, you know, the remnants of the premise-based space, which is still big, and ensuring that they have a piece of the action for just about everyone who's touching that market. It's an interesting strategy, and so far it seems to be working for them. They're just outspending and out partnering everybody else, and that's that's one way to scale in this space for sure. And I think we're going to see, you know, we'll, we'll, there aren't that many pieces left to take out, but you know, these moves are being made because you cannot be small going into this space. That's I think the main takeaway here. And they all know that, and so these. Big moves just ensure that the dominant players stay big and strong. And then, you know, it makes just a barrier entry, right, for the smaller guys to get in and, uh, and disrupt the space. So it's, it's, I think it's a big validation, A, that the cloud is here to stay. It's going to be the model going forward. So you'd better have the best technology, the best way to scale and deliver these services on the cloud. So that's driving a lot of this activity. And then of course, to keep your brand strong, in other words, to be the go-to because coming back to IT, Chris, they're inundated with so many vendors and choices out there. The last thing they wanna do is revert to having everything best of breed. When you, you know, you're trying to juggle 10 different vendors to keep it all going. There's that kind of convenience and attractiveness of having a single solution not just for UC, but often now UC and contact center combined, just again, it's easier for them to manage. So there's a, there's a strategic reason why these companies are coming together this way, because it's an easier way to get to the market and to accelerate the end customers move to the cloud to adopt these new services. Yeah, John, you could get me wound up here with my business strategist Pat on, I don't want to take too long, but um, I, I think that everything you say is really true. And I think that it's more of a challenge to align your business strategy with your market and tech strategy than ever. And I think what you say about IT actually translates into that, that they want to be more and more about solutions and not have to really roll stuff themselves. Uh, you know, they want off the shelf, they want buy versus build, unless there's some compelling 
reason to build your own whatever it is if, if you're not if it's not a compelling competitive differentiator when it comes to it type systems as opposed to products you might be selling it's not going to happen and there's such a shortage of subject matter expertise that um and and you know budgets are what they are that you know the more that vendors can offer a solution back to what we said earlier and whether that be by assimilation and integration of multiple technologies and, and companies or whatever, or whether it be by growing their own line organically or both, that seems like a winning strategy. You have a lot of challenges. You have to avoid customer lock-in. You have to avoid the proprietary cost spiral and a lot of other things. But fundamentally, you know, IT becomes more and more cloud-based outsourcing, I think, if you want to call it that. And so technologies and companies and solutions, that's increasingly what they're going to be selling to. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. It's, it's hard to see how it's going to go back to the way it was in earlier times. That's for sure. So the, the, the levers of power are going to be very different for sure. Yeah. And the options that companies have, you know, as to how they can pursue that strategy. Right. I mean, the whole revolution in the way IPOs are working, the M&A, who are the buyers, the roll-up companies that are purely financial as opposed to a tech company rolling things up. It's a fascinating world, and I think that's a great topic that you bring up heading into 2022. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to get there next time. Yep. Okay. Let's close out our 2021 now, Chris. I think we are on time or over time a little bit. But that's that's how it goes today. So I think we've covered our ground. Well, so, hopefully, hopefully our audience will indulge us. And it's worth saying happy holidays to everybody. I hope you get some R&R at the end of the year. And thanks to all our listeners for hanging in with us this year and hanging out. And we're looking forward to another year of Watch This Space. Couldn't have said it better. And that will be season five for those who are keeping score. So. All right. With that, uh, we hope we hope you enjoyed our podcast today and that you'll continue with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And of course, if you like what we're doing, we'd love it if you left a review or a rating or shared with others. And with that, I am John Arnold. And I'm Chris Fine. Thank you very much for uh, all your listenership and comments and uh, happy holidays and happy new year to all.